Hear now the inspired words of God. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. One winter's night, the great reformer Martin Luther was walking through the woods. And as he was on his way home, and he stopped, something made him stop. It was like a a moment when the veil between heaven and earth was thin. And he looked up through the branches of these fir trees at the, the cool winter stars. And all of a sudden, he just had this realization of what Christmas meant, that the creator of the entire cosmos of those stars so far away would come down to earth to live like one of us. And he continued on his way home, walking a little faster, and when he got there, he opened the door, it was warm, his kids ran and gave him a hug, and he told his children and his wife about this this realization that he'd had as he looked up through the branches of a tree. And so the whole family decided that night, so legend goes, to get a tree from out in the woods and put candles in the branches so that they could remember the creator of the cosmos coming down to live as one of us. And now whether or not you, you believe that this is where Christmas trees got started or if there was another place where Christmas trees got started, certainly the practice is very ancient and they are very popular now, right? I would guess every one of you almost has a tree, right? Whether it's like a really cool pencil tree, right, with a really great um, theme that you've got going, or if it's more like my tree, which is just the theme is whatever the kids have made their entire lives, right, and with colored lights, whether you like the white lights or, or you like the colored, whether you, you're a tabletop kind of a tree person or you're like a 10, 11, anybody got like that tall of a tree in their house? Um, whatever you put on top of it, a star, an angel. Uh, one of the kids this morning said an owl which I thought was cool. We love our Christmas trees. Okay, we, we love the tree that's 20 foot tall and dances to music in the Galleria, right? We love the Zilker tree. Some of us, if we go to New York, we see that Rockefeller Center tree, Christmas trees. It, it just says it's Christmas time when you get out the tree. But this year, I have a new favorite. I have a new favorite Christmas tree. I found it by accident, and I found it in July. That's why I love it. Okay, I was in East Austin. I had to run an errand, and it was rush hour. It was one of those days, remember, when it was like 105 degrees, and we all wanted to die. It was just... And there in the blinding sun, I'm driving past car lots and strip malls, and I'm bopping through these back streets because GPS rerouted me, when suddenly I drive past what looks like a 10-foot-tall Christmas tree on the side of the road 
in July. And I laughed out loud, okay? And I circled back around because I thought, I need to see this tree because this tree was, first of all, 10 feet tall. And secondly, from what I could tell, and I was going by pretty fast, it was covered with mirrors. And so I was thinking, like, this is not the tree that you forget to take down, right? It was fast. I hadn't seen yet that it was a permanent thing. But I thought, who leaves this tree up? Because if you leave this tree up, everybody's like, Christmas tree right here, July, right? It's just dancing a jig out there. So I circle back around, and I think, I am going to take a picture of this for my kids and just show them. Well, that's when I see it's more of a permanent tree, and that's when I realized I had kind of a problem. Because as I approached this mirror tree, every angle that I tried to get a picture from, (laughs) I had a problem, right? I was like, come on, tree. I mean, can you see there? It's showing me the traffic. It's showing me a parked car, right? It's showing me me, me, me. And I kept trying to circle it, trying to find the angle where I could get a clean shot. Just you, tree. I don't want me in this picture. The mirror tree refused to cooperate with my desires. And again and again, it reflected back the world around it, including me. Now, I've been thinking about the mirror tree for half a year. I've been longing to tell you about the mirror tree because it started out as just a lark. I'm going to show this to my kids. But the more I thought about it and the more I thought about what was frustrating me about the mirror tree, the more I loved it. Because I feel like it gets us the closest to the message that we need to hear, the message that God would have us hear at Christmas time. How is that? Well, because no matter where you stand on the mirror tree, it's unlike every other Christmas tree, the mirror tree invites you to become part of it. It puts you right into itself. And I believe that that's what God wants us to hear at Christmas. Because we're used to looking, to seeing, and to saying, there is a perfect picture, right? It is perfect just as it is. Everyone is immaculately dressed in that picture. No one is sweating. Everyone, even the sheep, look amazing, right? And I think that a lot of times we don't realize that it's not a complete picture in God's mind until we're in there, until our face is part of it too. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about that the creator of the universe, the God who came to us in this holy, sacred, amazing moment wants to invite us in. Invite us in to the moment when the creator became one of us, began to live with us and teach us, and eventually would die for us. Isn't it amazing to think that we belong here? Now, I suspect you might be a little bit like me on that hot day in East Austin that you're thinking, I don't belong here. I just, it's clean if I'm not in it. My reflection is messing it up. In fact, I can't tell y'all how often I'll be talking to somebody, they'll find out I'm a pastor, and I'll say, hey, you should come to my church. It's the nicest group of people you'll ever meet, and they're generous, and they're wonderful, and they'd love to have you. And what will that person say to me? Oh, I can't. The walls would fall down if I came. Have you ever heard that? 
It's half joke, right? But sometimes I look in people's eyes and I see behind that joke there's pain. There's the fear, there's the, the feeling that I don't fit here. And I try to tell, if you've ever said that to me, then I'll say to you, hey, you know the nice thing about this church is we're all imperfect. You can't come if you're perfect to this church. And so the, you are exactly the kind of person not only Bee Creek wants, but that God, God, want, God wants, wants, wants to invite. And that's the message that we hear again at Christmas, is that this is a time for all of us. No matter what's hidden in our hearts, no matter what's whispering to us that we don't fit, you need to hear God saying, you do. You belong. And this story isn't complete until your reflection is part of it. How do I know? Because you should make me prove it to you. How do I know? Well, I know because of the people who are in this story, okay, and who they really were before we made it all pretty. Uh, first of all, think about Jesus' parents. Okay, God is, is now sending his son to earth, right? His only son. He could have picked anybody to be parents of Jesus, anybody in the whole world. Okay, so he could have picked a very wealthy couple, a couple who could have provided everything that his son needed, starting with something better than a manger, right, for a baby bed. He didn't choose the wealthy couple. He could have picked a powerful couple, a couple with a lot of influence and um, power in the world, maybe an army at their disposal who, when the e forces of evil came at this baby, they would have been able to fight back. Mary and Joseph simply had to flee. But God didn't choose the strongest couple. He could have chose some experienced parents, right? Somebody with like six kids. That's who babysits my son, a lady with six kids, because she knows what's going on, right? He didn't. Mary, Mary and Joseph, this was their first child. It was their starter child, right? could have picked somebody who was deeply grounded in the religious um, literature and scholarly studies and even the, the scriptures of the day. He could have picked a priest. And his wife, think about Zachariah and Elizabeth, who were told are the parents of John the Baptist at the same time. He could have picked them. They knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. They served in the temple. They served in the church of the day. Their whole lives were given to God. But he picked two people who had the same formal study of the scripture as everybody else normal in their day. Then think about the shepherd. Okay, the shepherds, when they got here to greet their king, to greet their savior, they had just come from the middle of the night of probably a week-long stint in the winter fields watching sheep. They, they did not look amazing. The sheep were not like white and pristine and perfect, right? This was not a snuggle commercial with a sheep. These were real sheep. And how do sheep smell? Anybody ever smell the sheep? It's the worst. And it sticks to you. So these guys smelled like sweat. They smelled like sheep. Their clothes were wrinkled. They, they were the lowest rung socially of their society. Some people wouldn't even think they were worth saying hello to on the street. They were shepherds. If you couldn't do anything else in society, you were a shepherd. Then there's the wise men. 
Okay, now that's the other end economically of the strata. I mean, they were so wealthy that they could bring these wonderful gifts. They could make this long journey of months. They could bring probably servants and camels. And yet, they were foreigners. They were not historically part of what God had been doing to save people. They were outsiders. Some people might have, res- in the, the nation of Israel might have respected them, but behind their backs they might have said, they're kind of pagan. They're into astrology. And so they were spiritually suspect. And then the final story we get is of two older people who, when Jesus comes to the temple that first week that he's born, there's hundreds of people that day. And these two are named Simeon and Anna. And all these people are rushing by Jesus. They don't see him. Somehow, these two who have been waiting like the whole nation for their Savior, they see him. They know who he is, even though the way he came is so unexpected. So all of these people are so different. They're different economically. They're different in in social status. They're different in age. They're different in experience. You know what they share in common? They heard God's call, and they came. And when they came, they found that every single one of them was welcomed. Every single one. And friends, still today, God is calling us. This is a call from God tonight. That we are invited to come and to meet the Savior of the world. And maybe you feel like Mary and Joseph, you feel so unprepared. Maybe you feel like the shepherds, like socially, maybe you don't fit with everybody else. Maybe you feel like the wise men, like spiritually, you don't have the same pedigree as everybody else. No matter what dark whisper that is that tells you that you don't fit, I want you to hear God's voice even louder. You do. You belong. You are... You are the reason that God would send his son, you, just as you are. And so my new favorite Christmas tree is this one in East Austin that's covered with mirrors. Because it reminds me that that's what Christmas is all about. That the picture isn't complete until we draw near and we see our faces. God is inviting you. You really do belong here. Let's pray. Oh God, we love you. And we thank you for calling to us. Even when others say we don't fit or we feel like we have disqualified ourselves or we've been searching for a long time. No matter where we find ourselves tonight, help us to hear your voice. To know that tonight is your call to us to come, to draw near, and to hear that we really do belong. We ask this in your son's name.
Amen.